progress. Good evening and welcome to the February 1st, 2023 planning board meeting via Zoom at 6.30 p.m. I'd like to make a motion that we open the meeting. Can I get a second? A second. Jim? Aye. Kathy? Aye. David? Aye. And I'm an aye. And we're going to start off with the first scheduled hearing item, which is uh, Josh from MAPC. Josh, I will make you a co-chair. Good evening and welcome. Thank you very much. All right, let me share. All right, thank you, Patty and Chair. Thank you, Board, also, for having me this evening to give you an update on the uh, downtown Canton zoning effort. Again, Josh Fiala from MAPC, the Metropolitan Area Planning Council. Happy to be with you all again. I trust you can all see my screen now, the presentation. Okay. Yes. Great. So the, this evening, I have um, the results from our community workshop, which we hosted back in November, and the community survey, which followed that. Um, and then some sort of shaping up some initial recommendations, <clears throat> excuse me, but I want to have this discussion with you all um, prior to going too far down the road, um, just to get your feedback and opinion. Uh, from here, after this meeting, I would be uh, developing the uh, initial recommendations further and then um, endeavor to host a second community workshop where those uh, more detailed recommendations would be presented to the public for further feedback and then we can um, refine them as a more of a, a zoning package that the planning board could carry forward from that point. So uh, there's still some process left, um, but I think we're making, making good um, headway here in uh, preparing uh, where we should be headed. So uh, again, just for the general public, this is a study which is sponsored by the planning board and, and directed by them. So thank you very much for that leadership and uh, also includes Gene Manning, the interim town planner, uh, and is really implementation of the master plan that the town completed a few years ago. Uh, if you don't know, uh, members of the public, the Metropolitan Area Planning Council, where I work, is the regional planning agency um, helping uh, places like Canton to think about zoning and other planning efforts. So we're happy to provide that assistance. So in downtown Canton, the Canton Economic Opportunity Overlay District has been in existence for uh, two decades now or more and has seen uh, a fair amount of development as a result, but the master plan identified the downtown zoning in need of an update. And there are, I think, some very, very productive updates to be had, which we'll get into the details of this evening. As you see on the screen, we're focused on two out of the three sub-districts of the downtown overlay, sub-district um, A and B. Uh, sub-district C is the Paul Revere Heritage Site, which we're not focused on in this work. And as I mentioned, this is an effort uh, which really is implementation of the master plan. Uh, the master plan uh, had guiding principles for focus areas, including the downtown. And for the Canton Center downtown area, mentioned that they would like to see, or the town would like to see, as articulated in the master plan, a strong sense of place and a place that is walkable, vibrant with activity, a broad range of uses, and connects to nearby destinations. 
I think what's what's interesting as we get into um, thinking about details of zoning recommendations this evening and as this study goes forward, those operative phrases which I've uh, placed bold on on this slide um, directly translate, I think, into some of the details of the zoning. So. Uh, a strong sense of place, I think, uh, translates into a focus on Washington Street, and we'll see that in how the zoning is starting to shape up as ideas. Walkability uh, translates into some of the urban design best practices, which we would um, get into the zoning as design standards or guidelines. Vibrant with activity, I think, is a focus on the ground floor uses and creating new spaces through redevelopment for those uses. Uh, broad range of uses as well, supported by that same focus. And then connecting to nearby destinations with safe street crossings, continuous and attractive pedestrian routes to nearby destinations. So I think all of that sort of language, uh, which is at a higher level than the master plan, does actually translate directly into the zoning ideas, which we're thinking through here. There were also more detailed master plan goals, and I think we're also in line with these, which were articulated. So you'll see, I won't, I won't go through this, there's a lot, lot more bullets here, but uh, get us moved right into the, the next content. But we are following this, I think, exactly as, as um, predicted or suggested by the master plan. So let's dive right into the community workshop results, which will then transition us into how those results are shaping up into some initial recommendations, and get your feedback on those. So first off, who responded? We had about um, 80 respondents in total using the uh, in-person responses, which we received in the meeting, either in paper ballots or the cell phone voting, which occurred in the interactive meeting, which, which I think was great and a nice turnout. So it was one of the, the better attended um, in-person meetings that I've had in a while. Um, and then the follow-up survey filled out that we had, I think, maybe ended up doubling or so the participation through the follow-up survey. So about 80 in, in total, which is a respectable number for the feedback. Primarily residents who were participating, but we did get some business and property owners, as well as those who might work in downtown or, or just visit or use it as a patron. Most live in Canton, uh, the majority, but then we also had some who are more directly related, either living in the surrounding neighborhoods or in downtown itself. So it's good to see that mix. And also a, a good mix of age range. So we had most of those demographic categories represented, including the, the very youngest, um, but had the most representation in that, that middle age range, 40 to 59. And a population which is pretty familiar with the downtown as well. So most people self-reported that they visit many times a week. Uh, some visit more than that. Um, and then most are, are visiting at least a few times a month um, or more. So I think we can trust that most people are, are well, well familiar with what they'd like to see happen in the downtown. When people describe their top priorities, um, restaurants, food, dining, beverages, sort of increasing those types of uses or experiences was the top priority, um, followed closely with the traffic, traffic flow, congestion, um, improving the circulation for vehicles in general. So that was second. Parking accessibility and better parking options was up there as well business growth and small business growth or additional um, sustainable or diverse business types was in there. Good shops, um, vibrant and diverse shopping, 
walkability, safety, and then some specific uses which are there, which people view as destinations, the post office, the library, the banks. Then we asked a series of questions about um, downtown Canton today. And I think this, this is, shows strong justification for the work that we are doing uh, and support for it. So the first was how close is downtown Canton to your ideal vision? Um, most people think that there's some room for improvement there. So 46% um, was the strongest uh, or the most frequent answer, and that was not close. Um, and then there was some uh, that thought it was a little closer in either neutral or close. But um, generally, I think some not, not, no answers in the very close category. So I don't think anyone would want it just to just be left alone. We asked also, do you support additional private or public investment in downtown Canton? And together between strongly support and support, that was an 80%, 88% response, which is a very strong response rate for that. Um, the, strong, the most responses came in that support category with 49%. So uh, I think an appetite for additional uh, redevelopment investment and improvements in general, public realm and the like. And then also, do you support um, additional redevelopment or development into downtown, a more specific answer about development there. And 70, that comes down a little bit, but not too much. 76% still either strongly support or support that uh, as a statement with 43% being the most responses in support. And then the biggest concern uh, mirrors what we saw for the priorities. So traffic and traffic flow walkability, um, vacant locations, or sort of uh, a desolate area, empty with um, just people driving through and not stopping or going there for destinations, that the restaurants and, or dining aren't, aren't offering enough or, or enough variety. Uh, too many residential units is also another concern, losing businesses to residents um, and not enough parking, you can see that uh, I think generally, as you see on the bottom of that list, stagnation or no change kind of is, is the sum of that, all of that. And then more specifically about the zoning, which is the focus of our effort, of course, is do you generally support updating the zoning? And the, the support was a little less in this case with the most, most people coming in at neutral. I think Potentially, we can build support as the details uh, of the zoning start to emerge, and we start to those details reflect what we've been what we've been hearing from the community, but also a, a decent amount of support just in the abstract for zoning changes. There, sixty-three percent together in the strongly support and support, which is is close, you know, to that um, town meeting marker that we'd be needing to meet to enact these changes. Now, uh, we went through, if you recall, a series of more specific, we had given some content presentation, which I think helped those who were with us in the meeting in person. We did see through some of the survey comments that um, people who took the survey on their own were a little less sure about themselves in terms of how to respond to some of these questions without that guidance, um, but did, I think, nonetheless, try to give, give their best shot at it. We got some very good feedback. Um, so the first was just about what option seems the best in terms of how to approach the zoning district itself as a new district, as an overlay or updating the current overlays. And the, the most answers in response 
were in the not sure or no opinion, um, which mostly were from the survey side of things, but we got a, a better feel from, from the in-meeting participants that they have. there's a preference for updating the current overlays, kind of using that structure, which is already in place and just changing, adjusting the uh, characteristics of those overlays. And then about the, the zoning boundary, whether it's the current overlays or something else, there was uh, interest in uh, potentially looking at adjusting the zoning boundaries of the current overlay or a new district potentially, uh, and, and not necessarily sticking to what, what was drawn previously, but thinking through potentially a more beneficial logic of where those, what properties are in or out of the overlay. And then also a, a general question about the uses and sort of are we, um, and these were presented, if you recall, on a, a scale of like one, one end of a spectrum to the other end of a spectrum. So at one end was adding new uses and that would be the focus, whereas the other would be, the other end of the spectrum would be reducing to only the desired uses. And I think there was a middle ground that people preferred where we're looking to identify uses which are inconsistent with the goals for downtown and reducing the likelihood that those uses would, would be occurring there. So I think that's a prudent approach to the uses. Um, how strongly is form emphasized in the, the zoning on a spectrum of, you know, not so much, we're really focused on the uses and more traditional Euclidean zoning as we call it, or um, the other end of the spectrum would be more in the direction of like a form-based code, which is very focused on form. Um, and I think that what we're hearing is that we're more toward the traditional side of that spectrum, that there is a, a real still strong focus on the types of things which will occur in downtown, but that they want, uh, there's an interest in introducing some guidance through design standards and guidelines in terms of the, the shape and, and character of the, those uses and development. Now we went, continue this through um, for some of the other zoning characteristics. So minimum lot size, we went through a spectrum of whether to remove or reduce or increase minimum lot size. Most people seem most comfortable with retaining the lot size as it is. I, I think that is a fine approach, I have no issue with it. Similarly with setbacks on the property, if they should be sort of removed or increased or adjusted in some way, uh, a lot of interest in defining a setback range. So a both a minimum and a maximum so that we know more predictably where the fronts of buildings specifically would be landing relative to the street edge, which I think is a, a very um, optimal approach to a zoning for a downtown district. So that's, uh, I'm happy to see that. I think that's a great approach. Um, and that's a good direction to head in. We call that a front build to setback that range. Um, also thinking about lot coverage, uh, there was interest in retaining the current allowed lot coverage, which is the amount of building footprint that can be present on the property. Um, desire to see that retained similarly. I don't think there's an issue with that. The lot coverage is reasonable today. Also questions about building height. Um, interest in retaining the current allowed building height although also some interest was expressed in exploring um, a marginal height increase as an incentive. Uh, and I think there's, 
there's value in both of those ideas, and we'll get into that a little bit uh, later in terms of some initial recommendations and thoughts and see what your reaction is. But I do think there's some scenarios where using building height, an incremental increase maybe to say three and a half stories or four stories, would there could be value in that to incentivize mixed use development along Washington Street specifically. And we'll talk about that a bit more. And then that couples with um, parking requirements because you can't really build much more if the parking um, requirements remain. And I think there was potentially some interest in also uh, reducing parking requirements as, as an incentive again, or potentially through shared parking um, requirements or other measures, which would allow, um, increase the feasibility of development and allow a little bit higher density to occur, which is often a requirement for successful mixed use development in a downtown. So good news on, on all those fronts. And then similarly, uh, in terms of density regulations, um, the suggestion of re potentially reducing the density requirements, so increasing density by reducing the maximum, or yeah, reducing the maximum would increase the density. That's got the language right. So that would be um, potentially also used as an incentive, which is consistent with everything I just said. And um, the same notion for residential density specifically, which I think is also um, a good idea and good to see support there for it initially. And then I know that the town is, um, well, the 3A, um, I guess the initial application was due yesterday. So I'd be interested probably to connect soon and, and hear what that application shaped up like, but um, did ask some initial questions about 3A in this meeting and to use the Preference was to use downtown and other areas to comply, not solely downtown, um, but that downtown could be included um, in, in the um, potential solutions there for those requirements, which I, I think could fit with the entire uh, sort of recipe of characteristics and preferences we just walked through together. And then we also asked the more open-ended question uh, about comments around other potential changes or what those preferences might be. Um, some highlights of patterns that showed up in those responses, a focus on outdoor dining and sort of allowing and setting the characteristics around outdoor dining and making that um, a characteristic of the downtown. Green space and open space also being important and thinking about ways that that is um, required or, or designed into um, the site plans for redevelopment. Again, traffic calming and traffic shows up as well as pedestrian and pedestrian safety. Think about potentially like Washington Street, um, pedestrian environment on certain days as a, or as a special thing. Not sure how that would, would go for some of the traffic concerns, but maybe you know some, some ideas there. And then um, still a lot of focus on mixed use of, of different kinds, not necessarily retail and residential, but maybe mixed use that may include office or other uses as well. And then these, these were the last ones that we went through uh, just to shape up the feedback we received around design guidelines. We asked kind of a, the typical um, content of design guidelines and what people found to be most important for the downtown as we develop the set of standards or design guidelines to include in the zoning. And the majority of people thought all of those topics are important. So 
um, thinking about the site layouts, the building frontages, the building itself, parking um, standards, signage, landscape, bike and ped improvements, all of that together, um, most people think of as the recipe for success. The in terms of individual topics, buildings were the, the leader of following up on that. And the sort of trying to find the balance of what the preference is between design standards, which are typically in the zoning language itself and obligatory requirements versus design guidelines, which are sometimes a complementary package, which is outside of the zoning and our guidance and not often required. Um, there was an interest in both, both of those. So maybe um, some very important aspects of what people want to see happen in downtown get um, put into the language of the zoning so that they are required. Um, I use the example of requiring parking to be behind a building is one of those sort of fundamental urban design aspects of a downtown environment that is critical to the sense of place and walkability that's highlighted in the master plan. Um, and then maybe something like uh, the desire for screening or trees or landscape in that parking lot might be more, more likely to show up in guidelines and have a little bit more flexibility around depending on the specific site. And um, asking about the preference in that spectrum of by right uses versus site plan review or, or leaning towards special permit. And people were in that more um, permissive realm of having things go through site plan review, but not necessarily get to the special permit level. So if, if we can make the standards and guidelines such that that comfort level is there for the town and for the board, that that might, might be what's preferred from residents as well and have that predictability on the from the development community side of things too. And I, I would say, so we did ask about some examples and I think we had a little less success um, with the examples in terms of, it's always hard to ask people to, to think about um, other communities where there um, have been successes because there's so so much, so many other opinions associated with communities. So sometimes this is, is helpful and sometimes it's not, but um, most people either didn't have much of an opinion or there wasn't a clear indication, for example, the ones we had suggested that may have potential some similarities with Canton, downtown Reading. People weren't, weren't so sure about um, downtown Situate. Again, not, not so sure about, some people thought it was good or okay, but not sort of an, an overwhelming opinion of that. Um, the strongest of, of the examples was, was Dedham, but there was also you know, a fair amount of comments and feedback that Dedham was totally not the right example. So um, I think that I, from this section, I feel like there were a little less uh, definitive guidance to, to follow up on. So that's, that's fine. We have a lot to work with from the other questions. We did also ask open-endedly if um, there were other models or, or examples that people thought were good ones. Needham was the one of the leaders as well as Norwood. So perhaps I, I could look at those to sort of more organically suggested downtowns from the community to see if there's any lessons to be learned there. So I'll, I'll pause there. That was, I tried to get through that fast um, because I wanted to get to this next section, but see if there's any questions from the board regarding the feedback we received or, or just comments or thoughts. I get it. 
comment. Um, you when you um, asked the uh, like, I noticed a, a, a good bulk of these um, answers came up as not sure, no opinion, which indicates that it sounds like that they're not very well uh, educated in terms of um, what's happening. But when you asked um, uh, where the people lived, it, it said that 11% lived in downtown Canton. Could you define the metrics of how you, of what downtown Canton uh, was, according to yeah, that's a good question. So we didn't we didn't specifically define. Um, I'm just flipping back to it. Sorry to be distracting. We didn't specifically find or define downtown, um, but I think people would would self define that. It, it, my guess is it probably pretty roughly correlates with the boundaries of the overlay district in terms of that sense of what downtown is. Um, but we did not, for example, in the meeting, we showed the map of the boundary of, of what is considered downtown. So perhaps those in the meeting might have a little more guidance. But in the the survey, um, I will say the survey had a link to the presentation that we gave in the meeting. Um, but it, it appeared just by the, the number of those who had selected um, that they didn't have a preference or, or didn't have a or were unsure that not as many people who took the survey referred to those materials to, to have that little bit of guidance. Thank you. And I, I was just curious, when you um, gave this survey, how did you um, find it, the individuals, like how did you publicize it? And did you, did you go out of your way to include seniors and individuals from marginalized communities? Yeah, this, the survey was on the town website. It was also publicized at the in the meeting itself. We mentioned that the follow-up survey would be available on the town website. So it was available through the um, cable access recording of the meeting and publicized in that manner. Um, we also put out a um, flyer, which I think went out through um, some of the town channels, I'm not sure exactly, maybe the Facebook page, not necessarily official, but the Facebook, various Facebook pages and things like that. Um, in terms of targeting specific audiences, um, I, I do not think that there was an effort to target specific audiences, but it was those that were reached through those um, sort of town, typical town channels. Yeah, and some of these, like a flyer would have been great if you would have posted it, posted it, in, in downtown building. I mean, like, let's say the convenience store. There's many businesses there in downtown Canton uh, because you're only getting it from a select group of individuals if you're just posting it to the town website or in the normal channels. But uh, let me ask one more question before I, I move on. And that is um, the, um, when you ask that question, what is your top priority? Uh, I'm not sure whereabouts that was, but um, uh, did you provide suggested answers of what there should be? Like, how did these uh, items come up? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this was this was an open-ended question. So uh -huh. um, in the meeting, people could respond via their cell phone with, with whatever they would like. And in the survey, it was the same. So it was a, an open-ended fill-in-the-blank sort of answer. And the way that these, so as we collected all of the responses and then um, compiled, like added them, if there were multiple answers which referenced restaurants, 
with the various words that are shown there. So some said food, some said food service, some said dining, some said restaurants. We combine those as a like theme. And that's where you see this ranking that's occurred. So any, any of the answers that um, showed up in multiple responses across those have been assembled here. There were more answers, which were sort of single hit type of answers um, that didn't have yeah. the pattern. Thank you. My only comment, um, which I'm sure you saw because there were a lot of um, individuals that had no opinion, is I think maybe next time we have, I know they could watch the meeting, but in some cases people can't. Maybe there's some way we can have a little bit of a synopsis or even I can possibly try and help draft it with you, Josh, of what this, so they don't know setbacks, what that means necessarily, um, lot sizes. They don't necessarily know what is in the allowed in the district. Granted, there's so many different items um, downtown or zones downtown. So uh, I, that may help with the next time that there's the next survey, if, we, if you're doing another survey with this particular study, um, just a thought on that matter. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think another another approach we could take is um, design the meeting materials so that they are more sort of readable or self-explanatory in terms of the slides that are presented, and then insert those slides in the appropriate place within the survey so that the same questions we would ask in meeting at those interactive moments, you would see the slide and then in the survey, see the question. So I think it's a little, rather than having someone have to go separately to the presentation, it would be embedded in the survey, which I think would be more direct. I think that would work out well. Does anybody else have a comment on that? I, I, yeah, I do, I think. Well, I know I do. Um, I think anytime you do a survey, you, you're gonna come up, especially downtown with traffic and that's gonna dominate probably everybody's opinion with that's, I'm assuming that's really not the goal of what this is about. It's about buildings, not traffic. If there was a way to eliminate that or de-emphasize that so that's not on the page that's up there now, the second most um, looked at issue. Uh, it, it just really doesn't, I don't believe, I wasn't around when this whole thing first started, but I don't think that was a, the plan or the idea of having this done was to discuss traffic because that's just gonna dominate any discussion on anything in Canton. If there was a way to de-emphasize that we're not looking at traffic, we're not looking at traffic flow. Um, we're limited with that anyway. It's a straight road up and down. There's not a lot you can do there. And that there's limitations on where you can actually build because on one side, it's fairly well developed behind it. I'd call that the east side. And the west side, which is towards uh, you know Paul Revere, you have a huge difference between the roadway and the property on that side where you can't even put parking back there unless you want to put an elevator or an escalator up to the street. So I, I think to de-emphasize traffic, at least in this portion of this whole plan, uh, if it can be done, because like I said, traffic dominates everything in Canton. But I, I think that would help focus more on what the goal of the project is. 
Yes, that's a great point. It's it is not um, it is not the focus of our work in this case, but it is understandably a major concern. I think tangentially, of course, um, development and redevelopment brings traffic concerns frequently. So I think that it will need to be addressed in some manner in this work. But it we are not doing a roadway improvement design, for example. If you don't mind me, I wanted to re reiterate with what um, Jim had just brought up that um, any redevelopment for downtown Canton uh, traffic would probably not be uh, affected in any way because a good portion of it is because of the school buses that go there in the morning and the afternoon and the um, school department isn't willing to take that $1 million loss in revenue that they get from uh, students pay to pay to ride the bus. But that's the majority of the town's uh, traffic woes. Mr. McCarthy, you had something you wanted to add? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously traffic in, in, in Canton and in virtually any town is a question or a comment. Um, I think a lot of our traffic in downtown is related to um, the combination of the commuter rail and 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 uh, other factors that will never change downtown. But I'm always reminded, having sat in numerous meetings for the master plan when it was when it was complete, most recently completed a few years ago, and other meetings in town, um, I'm always reminded by people. And they just they go. You guys don't realize how good traffic is compared to what it was like when we had more industry in town that all let out of work at between the hours of three and five. So, it you know it feels bad at times. And believe me, I think there's some things that could be done to improve traffic. But um, in general, a lot of it is just related to uh, how we as a society move about. Having said that. Um, uh, Nothing really surprises me in the comments. I think, uh, Josh, I wasn't able to be at the public forum when you had it. I was out of town on business. Um, but I'm, I'm more curious as to how the communities that were picked to compare us to were. As a, for instance, um, uh, people said they didn't like downtown Dedham. And and uh, I'm sure people understand downtown Dedham where it is. Uh, uh, the improvements that have been made there over the last, I don't know how many years, but I'll say five. It could be more or less. Uh, feel really good to me uh, <laughs> when I walk around downtown Dedham, uh, which isn't a ton. Don't get me wrong. Um, but how the other communities were picked. I mean, I grew up in Situate. Uh, I, I just don't compare Situate to Canton at all. Not good or bad, but downtown Situate or the Situate Harbor, which I'm assuming is the area they meant, um, it's just a completely different community. I mean, you, you, you're talking about a seaside community that has has far more tourism than Canton Center does, um, uh, and has different traffic flows. Uh, so I'm just curious about how the communities that were picked, if you could explain that. Peace. Yeah, certainly. Um, great question. So the selection, I made the selection of those comparison communities and based it primarily upon um, similar populated population for the town and also um, similar 
uh, built scale of the downtown area. I was thinking of Front Street and Situate. Yeah. And sort of the third criteria was um, a town center which has seen redevelop successful redevelopment in the recent years um, yeah. so that we could, if it, if people liked it as an example, we could potentially then look at the zoning mechanisms which led to that successful redevelopment. Yeah. Um, and so in each in each case, well, I agree, Situate's not a one-to-one comparison, but Front Street has had some successful recent mixed-use development of a scale which is commensurate with Canton. Yeah. Um, similar down, downtown Dedham has, as you mentioned, and Reading has as well. So in all those cases, what I was interested in, if if there was sort of a, um, a, a like for the look and feel of those places, then to look behind the curtain a little bit in terms of the regulations and mechanisms that have created those opportunities. Yeah, I, I thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I think I just, when it comes to Situate Harbor, I just, I mean, I know it fairly well. So it just, it, it threw me of like, it just doesn't feel the same. Um, uh, Dedham, certainly, I happen to go to Reading probably once to twice a month for work purposes. So I'm reasonably familiar with what they have been doing. Uh, so I, I get, I, I certainly get the Dedham one, to be honest with you. The Dedham one feels more um, uh, logical with us in many ways. Uh, obviously, the population of Dedham is a, more than we are. But I also, uh, I think you said, I think you had Needham in there as well, I think at one point. And I feel like Needham is bigger, but Needham also has the train stations, which gives them the same potential issues that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel, I, the thing with Canton Center to me is, is it, it is, it is really on many levels, it feels to me, and I'm looking for comments from you on this, is if it's actually quite small in comparison to some of these other communities, certainly Dedham and, and Needham, um, uh, Front Street has a very defined area um, in, in that sense. Um, I, for one, believe that Canton Center could expand, not expand its boundaries beyond where the CCEOD is, um, uh, but, I, but I don't think people realize how big of a district that is. Um, um, and I think that there's there's certainly opportunity there that we um, either have missed or will continue to miss. Um, I think I've said this many times, and you've probably heard me say this as well, and I just keep repeating it, so I, people have to bear with me. We have small buildings and small lots, and as a result, we're going to struggle with getting something of size in, in the downtown that would, would draw people into the center in, in, in those evening hours. I think that's a struggle we have. Um, and I don't see that being fixed unless for some reason uh, a, a number of buildings were torn down um, and combined into one. And again, that could happen if, if we rezoned and you know property owners decided to sell or decided to develop. Uh, but I see that as, as, as the biggest piece that we have um, as, a, as a bit of a struggle. It was interesting to see the design thing not be as high as I thought it would be because it's something I hear perhaps more than anything um, is that visually the center is just too busy on many levels. Um, uh, there's no consistency and it just doesn't, uh, doesn't feel appealing is what I often hear. Um, um, but overall, I, you know, it, 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 it's, it's an, 
I don't, nothing in there shocked me. Is there any, so my last comment, because question for you is, is there anything in there that surprised you considering this is what you do for a living and have seen numerous communities go through this process? No, I don't think so. I think that I, I agree. It wasn't necessarily anything surprising. Why I thought it was um, productive results. I think there's more there's more opportunity for success there than sometimes we see as we go through processes like this. Um, sometimes communities want the vibrant downtown, but they don't want to make any of the zoning changes to make that possible. And and I think that in this case we have some room based upon the responses, some positive things to work with in terms of the density, the setbacks, the parking. Um, I, so there's a, there's a variety of, as you all know, like the, the zoning characteristics, there's a variety of ways we can get to a successful set of characteristics. And I think we've, we've got some opportunities to do that here. Sometimes we go through a process like this and there's, there's no movement in any one of those characteristics in terms of adding um, more attraction for a developer. Yeah. And I'm going to make one other comment, if I may, Madam Chair, before you mentioned the MBTA, uh, I'm just going to refer to it as the MBTA communities. Um, uh, the only comment that I would make on that, uh, the, the town did submit, has, you know, did submit, uh, the select board approved uh, the submission. Uh, my only comment, and I'm going to, I just continue to raise it. I, I find it they they included Canton Center in it and included a large portion of the commercial industrial light industrial district around the commuter rail station of Canton Junction. But Canton Center, for some reason, the work study committee group decided to draw a line at Wall Street. So from Wall Street to Cobb's Corner, they're not thinking should be part of the MBTA communities, which would eliminate or limit the rezoning of that portion of it. They've, they've given me their reason, which they felt it was already developed. And I, of course, made my comment back, which is if it's already developed, then you don't need to worry about giving the zoning because it's already done, it's done. So it's not going to add anything. I, I just don't like the idea that we chop the center, what I refer to in two thirds, one third, um, and limiting what would be that end. Um, uh, uh, and then I always finish it by saying, I own a property in the center of town and my property was included in the rezoning. So I'm not, people often think that I'm protecting my own, but I'm not. I think it, I think it should be given the opportunity broader downtown. I just thought it was interesting that committee endorsed that. Now that's not a final plan, but that's the original plan submitted. Thank you. Great. Thank you for that context. It's very helpful. All right. Um, did you have anything you wanted to add or any questions on it? No? Okay. Well, I know we need to, um, yeah, I know you have more to, to talk, discuss. I just wanted to let everybody know that we need to discuss a date in March to have Josh come and talk to the public again. Um, I didn't know if anybody wanted to, we could, just, we could discuss it towards the end of the meeting, but I just wanted to bring that up now. Would you like me to go into this next section? Okay, just just a time check too. I want to make sure. Are there other agenda items this evening, or what? what how much? 
Um, there, sure. there are no site plans tonight. Um, there's going to just be a brief discussion about the Warner Trail feasibility study discussion that was done. Um, if anybody wants to discuss their committees, they're welcome to tonight, and then we're approving the minutes. So you, you are the primary pre presenter for this evening. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to make sure that I, I could do, do this faster, but I'll, I'll, we, I think we have a little time for discussion. Okay. Um, so if we just compile, collapse everything we just went through into a single slide and look at it as a set of ideas, um, this is, is sort of how all of that feedback shapes up. So thinking about an update to the current overlay with potentially a new boundary, reducing inconsistent uses, um, focus on uses with some form related standards, retaining the same lot size, defining front build two setbacks with minimums and maximums, retaining the lot coverage, potentially retaining the allowed building height, allow parking reduction through sharing or incentives, reduce density requirements. Um, as was mentioned uh, just now by uh, David, the 3A requirements would use at least a portion of downtown potentially, and then guidelines and standards cover all topics and thinking about a preference for site plan review if we can get that comfort level. So that's that's everything we just talked through. Um, one of the interesting, this I think is interesting, which which we could devote a whole meeting to probably, but just thinking about the, the boundary, um, one of the, one of the ways that I'm thinking, and just this would be interesting to get the board's feedback on, is the focus on Washington Street and the, the properties, which the underlying zoning is in the business district, um, as you can see on this diagram here, and in focusing less on the properties which are further away from the Washington Street frontage in the general residence district, um, and then also including the properties which are within the boundary of subsection B uh, today. So it, one direction in terms of a new, a new boundary would be to sort of um, reduce the current area covered by an overlay and focus it more on Washington Street, which I think is where the primary um, increase in placemaking in walkability and in the uses that are desired would be best located. That may go counter to the thinking of a, a very long-term thinking, which would be to expand the single road downtown over time into a sort of multi-block depth of the downtown, which may or may not be possible, but could be, um, you know, maybe thinking about over down Wall Street or those areas which are, would be excluded in the general residence district if you were to reduce this boundary. But we haven't seen necessarily that conversion occur yet in the two decades that they have been included in the overlay district. You've seen some densification of residential uses, but it's not so much attracting mixed use development. And I think our focus is mixed use development and it would be on Washington Street. So that, that would be, we. I guess we can pause here and talk about that, or I can go through sort of the rest rest of these thoughts, whichever you prefer as a group. Um, I'm fine with you going forward with any thoughts that you have. Does anybody else have any comments on that? 
All right, I'll just continue on and then we'll see, we can circle back to any one of these. The next few slides, I don't, we don't need to go into detail because it's basically the entire use table. <laughs> so it's a, it's a lot of stuff, but the basic idea to take from these slides is that I've begun going through uses and considering with that sort of viewpoint of what the master plan is, master plan's goals for the downtown zoning changes are trying to achieve, which are focused on, again, those operative phrases are strong sense of place, walkable, vibrant with activity, broad range of uses. So I'm, I'm trying to think about the types of uses that would not necessarily contribute to those operative words of that vision. So that includes um, some of the lower density residential uses, which you see at the top of this list. So I'm looking for both uses which are want to be sort of demoted in terms of their entitlements. They want to be, their likelihood wants to be reduced through this overlay. And I, I'm thinking about ways to do that, but overlays typically add opportunity. They don't reduce it, but we can, I think, through the overlay, think about additional requirements for some uses which we don't want in the underlying zoning. So, so we could say that you, you have to use the overlay and the overlay is adding additional requirements um, on uses which may be allowed in the underlying zoning, which would make those less likely to occur. So I think that's maybe a path, I need to do my homework on that and kind of think that through in terms of zoning law and things like that. But I think that's a pathway of, of potentially using an overlay to both add opportunity and reduce un undesirable opportunity without, without touching the underlying zoning. Um, and so then you'll see, just as I kind of continue to flip through these use tables, other uses which may potentially be in that same consideration for reducing the likelihood or reducing the entitlement, or others which we may want to increase the likelihood through incentives or, or just making them allowed um, and, and or, as opposed to allowed by special permit through the Board of Appeals or not allowed today. Um, for example, like the agricultural uses. I'm not sure how likely they are, but they're, they're probably not the type of uses that we all want to see in a vibrant downtown. Um, or the potentially um, making a restaurant use more comfortable through some of the guidance so that we can reduce, make that more, um, a more like a more um, predictable pathway through less or um, not requiring a special permit. Um, there are for um, several funeral parlors or at least one funeral parlor in the district today, but more of them, that would be grandfathered in, of course, more of them as new uses in the district aren't going to likely reinforce the, that vision and the goals that we have. A hotel or motel might, so maybe that becomes perm permissible, um, but how likely it is in terms of the market, I'm not so sure. Trade shop may not, not be the type of use that really gets there, or a printing or publishing establishment in the, in the various ways it's defined in the zoning. I think there's details about its use or, or I mean size. 
showrooms for building supplies, boats, vehicles, et cetera. Um, if, if we really want to, we could probably craft some very limited characteristics where there might be a circumstance where that could be a contributor. Think of like a electric vehicle showroom where they've just got really nice cars and nice storefront. Like maybe that contributes to vitality in the downtown. Um, but like an open lot selling used cars, probably not. A research lab maybe fits with the desire for more office or other uses beyond residential um, or other retail uses. Structured parking, potentially, since parking is a major concern. Um, and so you can see the, the thinking here is underway. I would say the thinking is not fully resolved, but I think that the, the, the idea is that we would be looking at the use table as suggested in the master plan language in this detailed manner with a, with a direct eye on those operative sort of vision statements and, and what how we want to see the downtown evolve. So shifting gears to the dimensional regulations, we are trying to um, be true to the feedback that we've just reviewed and think about how those regulations could could be modified. Um, I didn't mention this on the boundary um, diagram, but one of one of the other things that in terms of uh, creating further simplicity is considering reduce combining subdistricts A and B into a single overlay zone, which would have the same characteristics from top to bottom without doing a break in a subdistrict. Um, and I think that would provide more simplicity, but also I don't know that there's much reason to differentiate them as they were before, um, particularly if our focus is on the Washington Street frontage and really getting that over time to um, make, make a downtown sense of place. The front yard setbacks, if you did that, you collapse, you can see the, in this table, you see the underlying characteristics of, of the different underlying zones. You see the current overlay, whether it's an A or B, there's some differences between the two. And then on the, the far right column is thinking about the characteristics of how they might come together in a proposed districts. Again, these are all initial ideas, nothing's set in stone yet, and this is all for discussions purposes. Um, but thinking about potentially reducing the front setback specifically, um, but still having a front setback because I think five feet or so is actually a reasonable expansion of the sidewalk realm in a downtown district to give you more room for amenities, outdoor uh, dining space, benches, other things. Um, but then setting, rather than having just a, a maximum or a minimum, or only at this point, it's a mac, a minimum, sorry, excuse me, a minimum of 15 feet or a minimum of 30 feet, setting the minimum much closer at five feet. So much more of the front of the site could be used if a, if a developer desired. And then setting a maximum so that they cannot move their building further than 15 feet away from that front uh, lot line, which is where, where you want the buildings to be in the downtown. Rear yard setbacks, again, reducing the rear yard setback 
somewhat to give more flexibility on in terms of the site layout on some of these properties uh, to make the development work while still retaining enough considering that some of these properties will need a, a buffer to a residence uh, adjacent to it, for example. The, the height, I think there was, as we saw, preference for retaining the 40-foot slash three-story height limit. I do think there's good reason to consider a bonus that would add potentially a story, but I'd be open, like, there wasn't as much support for that, so I think a half-story could also be a valuable incentive which would be a half story is typically the, an occupiable area within the pitch of a roof rather than having a full height um, story, which has uh, less, is less, um, I think, noticeable in terms of the, the height and scale difference. So either one, I've, I've listed it here as a, a 52 foot four story bonus, but, but you know, potentially it could be less than that. And then kind of uh, canceling out the density requirements, which I think give much more flexibility. Um, and, and I think uh, given the scale of the properties that we're talking about in the town center, uh, don't present a major risk in terms of like runaway density of some kind. What, what will fit will fit. Um, and that's a developer is going to need to maximize the property to make the redevelopment work. So that is, is a good, I think, change. And that goes along with parking as well. And I think parking, there's been some progress in terms of bringing parking down already in downtown. I think parking could go down a little bit further, say from the one per bedroom that is today to one per unit, which would give just a little bit more flexibility. Um, I, that, I'm open to discussion on that as well, if that's sort of pushing too too hard. Um, and then thinking about also potentially reducing either the ratio of retail and office requirements or in and the restaurant requirements, or allowing those parking spaces to be reduced through shared parking provisions. So one, one or the other or both, I think, is is appropriate. But as we showed um, in the series of diagrams, and I know that some of you might not have seen them, but we showed through a series of diagrams in that first public meeting that the, the current parking requirements um, really do impact the, the feasibility of the development today. And it's just not, you just can't fit it all on the property. So I, th I think we do need to offer some flexibility here, even though availability of parking, I think is a concern of the community but the, the parking study of the downtown that was completed within the last few years um, shows a, uh, what I would, I think it's fair to refer to as a wealth of off-street parking in the district that needs to be used more efficiently. And so I, I think that in addition to these zoning recommendations, we could also make some uh, shared, park, shared parking district-wide policy recommendations that might help to unlock that parking supply, which already exists. Can I ask a question? Yes. Can you define shared parking? What exactly would that entail? Yeah, shared, shared parking is a good question. So there's, I'm, I'm talking about shared parking sort of in two ways. Um, shared, the first way is shared parking as a 
reduction of the parking that would be required between uses which might share it at different times of the day. So that's that's typically considered sharing between residential uses and non-residential uses with the assumption that residents will be gone during some of the day and that some of those parking spots could be used by daytime users visiting a shop or a service, for example. So that, that's one definition of shared parking, which I'm using. Um, and that, that can be defined with sort of detailed language and is often subject to review by the, in the site plan review, like a, a developer would propose a shared parking re reduction within certain limits, which are outlined in the zoning. And then the reviewing board, I think in many cases in Canada, it's the Zoning Board of Appeals, would then um, review whether or not they agree with the developer's assessment of what can be shared. The other version of shared parking, which we're talking about, is the more district-wide basis where <clears throat> that we would be looking for a change in mindset from every parking spot on every, excuse me, private property is used by that property only versus thinking about parking as a shared asset in the district. And so that you would share parking between properties so that the parking supply could be more efficiently used. So for example, the, the Walgreens parking lot at the center of the downtown is, is already, I think, used in that manner, portions of it are already used in that manner today. And that's a very effective way to use that parking supply. That's another sort of version of shared parking that's that's different than the zoning version. And just a couple of follow-ups, if you don't mind, please. Um, so when you're talking residents, you're talking uh, like complexes, multifamily residential complexes like condos or apartments, I'm assuming. Yes. In, in this case, I think what I'm imagining is residential uses, which would be above a commercial ground floor. Okay, because living in a multi-residential uh, area, one of the biggest problems just amongst residents is parking spaces. Uh, people are very jealous of where they park, whether they're home or not. Uh, you know, they consider it their spot, whether it's assigned or not. Um, that's just a personal observation. And uh, on the other one, with sharing between businesses, is there a liability? I mean, I know that's not your purview or even our purview, but are, are other businesses willing to assume a liability that they normally wouldn't assume? That is one of the commonly raised hurdles to it. And I think there are um, shared parking policy language in terms of their, their um, model, I guess their ordinances or model policies that can um, we can share that can be sort of promoted by the town, which would be between property owners to help resolve insurance issues, liability issues, and the like, which are often the, the primary concerns of property owners, in addition to just making feeling that they might come into a circumstance where they don't have enough parking for their own uses at their own when they need them is the other concern, of course. And there's no liability because the town participates in that formula. Any liability for the town because they allowed it? I, I don't 
I'm not the legal expert in that area, so I don't yeah. want to make a definitive answer, but I, I think in general, yes, the, the town would not necessarily be incurring liability in that circumstance. Um, and the, the language in the agreement is sort of structured as such to like work out the liability, like indemnity clauses and all that, all that stuff between the parties that would be involved in, in working that out. So. If I may, you see, if I may, uh, Jim, you, you see it fairly common in more communities that are more dense than we are, where, where a restaurant needs 10 parking spaces. And I'm making up all these numbers. They have 50 seats and they need 10 parking spaces, but they only have seven. So they acquire the right to park at another location that could be three buildings down um, through a lease agreement arrangement. And it, it, that's what I believe that Josh is referring to is, is that there's an arrangement reached so that a business owner, today that's not allowed in Canton. The ZBA can approve it, but it's, it's a hurdle to reach um, much more so than in other communities. Yeah, but can I say something here? So we already see some of it. Like, I don't know, when I go to like Rosario's at night, you know, there's nothing available. You know, people park in the Bank of Canton in the back there. Um, you know, there's that like parking lot that goes across two or three lots down there by the Bank of Canton. Um, people park in the, um, oh, you know, I don't know what it's called. But people park in businesses that aren't open at night. Right. They, they park behind my our building all the but time. There's no really written agreements on that. People no, but but I but the, the 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 issue is is that in some cases, you, I think Josh and, and, and we could go down this bunny trail for hours. But where the businesses aren't opening because it is restricted that you can't open a new restaurant or a cafe unless you have six parking spaces. And again, I'm making up these numbers, so they don't even ever try to because there's no shared parking opportunities. Whereas if, if, if the, and the Bank of Canton is a fantastic downtown business that says park there all you want. They never complain, they clean the parking lot. It's the same thing with what we do in our parking lot. You know, people park there all the time, we don't complain. Um, it, it, but that's not what they're referring to. It's, it's restaurants and businesses that literally can't open because they can't get parking. So you come up with these arrangements. Milton has them in East Milton Square. You know, several of those restaurants, if any of you go to any of the restaurants in East Milton Square, they have arrangements with businesses that are closed during the evening when the restaurants open, that those parking spaces suddenly become for the restaurants exclusively. And that allows them to open a restaurant in their downtown when they wouldn't be able to before. May I make a, a comment on the presentation? Josh, I, I noticed under your potential residential uses that you um, did not want any more assisted living facilities. And I think seniors do want to live downtown near the post office, near the bank. Um, I've talked to them. So, but they might want to consider that. And also the no more boarding or lodger homes Canton struggles with an affordable housing uh, problem right now, and they think that 80% area medium income is affordable, but it's really market rate. 
and I, I, I know this is for new uh, re residential items, but we might want to rethink that because I, I know you cite the, the master plan a lot, but but also the master plan, uh, it, it, it talks about for all income levels and all individuals. And I don't know what the follow-ups are with this uh, project, Josh, but you might want to reach out to seniors specifically and uh, and marginalized communities uh, from a lens of uh, equity. Thank you. But to be honest, Joe, that's going off topic. We're just trying to figure out how to redo the zoning downtown. And the Board of Appeals actually has... Um, I'm looking at the at the uh, table of regulations. They're in charge of deciding that um, in reference to the locations we have downtown. So that that's that could be possibly up for discussion in the future. But in reference to the study, I don't think it would be applicable necessarily at this point. I'm just hoping he could broaden the uh, range of people that are responding to this survey. Well, we can certainly do more advertising and, and we did do it. We did place it in the paper. We did do it on Facebook. Um, the only other thing I can say is, is having, um, you know, when we have another public discussion, maybe encourage the seniors to come out if they can. Unfortunately, we have it at night. A lot of them aren't going to attend the meeting, but maybe watch the meeting and promote it that way. I'm happy to, if, if the, the um, housing authority lets us advertise it or put notices up, I will ask them and see if they will. Yes, thank, thank you for those comments, very good. Um, and I, I do think that you can look at the assisted living. It's not necessarily, um, I think the, where my thinking was is not necessarily that it's um, looking at a prohibition on senior housing, but I'll have to look a little closer at the definition of assisted living, but I was thinking potentially the residents of assisted living facility might be less, um, sort of mobile or active in the downtown, which may, you know, may not be as consistent with what that goal is in terms of adding to the vibrancy, walkability, et cetera, it might be better suited to have those in other locations in the town. Um, but I, I can look in more detail in terms of how assisted living is defined and, and just- You won't know, Josh, until you uh, hear from them. Okay, fair enough. All right, so I will keep going now. Um, so we just touched on parking. Just a little bit of thoughts on uh, design standards, some of which I've mentioned, but the notions here are things like standards, parking to the rear, or maybe if the economics can support it, things like underneath the building footprint or structured in some manner. Um, if the thinking about if we do go down the, the path of a bonus um, story or half story, thinking about ways that that gets integrated into the context of, of shorter height uh, buildings, thinking about a step back um, to reduce the visual impact, which is very effective to kind of bring that scale down from the pedestrian standpoint. Um, Thinking about the characteristics of the ground floor, that's really what we're focused on is active uses, transparent windows, the percentage of, of windows in those storefronts toward the primary frontage on Washington Street, how, how much we wanna require there and what, what that should look like. Um, how the space between the building and the street 
is designed and articulated as an extension of the sidewalk and the public realm and the types of characteristics that might be there. Then we'd shift into guidelines. Those would all be potentially standards, which would be required in the zoning so that we're sure that uh, new development or redevelopment that occurs has those characteristics built into the design. Things that might fall more into the guideline category is getting to the specifics about what could happen in that space between the building and the street. And we could make guidance, but we wouldn't be as definitive because there's a lot of good solutions, but we'd wanna give them ideas about how outdoor seating could occur, benches or street trees, landscaping to complement the streetscape, lighting, uh, storage of bicycles, outdoor dining and all, all of that. So um, can build that into a set of uh, bulleted language, some diagrams, some photographs, uh, and have that as a as a companion design guideline document for Canton Center, which which there was at one time, but I think the the old design guidelines um, deserve an update, and I think can be a little more focused. And then I'll, I'll be interested. I guess maybe I'll Patty, I'll work with you in terms of maybe getting a hold of the app, the specific application for the three A. Um, community MBTA communities uh, that was put in, um, but the idea, the requirements you see, which maybe you're more familiar with now that town's gone through this process as everyone else has, but if if the downtown is a part of it, one of the details here is that the MBTA communities re can require no more than 10% affordability in the districts which are a part of the solution. Um, so we would have to think about that and make that adjustment. So it would be a 10% affordability requirement. The other interesting wrinkle is that it can allow mixed-use development, but it cannot require mixed-use development. So that's, I think, tricky for downtown environments because we really do want to see mixed-use redevelopment, which is where I think the incentive through an additional half story or story is really a powerful idea since we cannot require it. But that's a very, um, I think, meaningful encouragement to provide mixed use. So I think that could help to resolve all of this, like the MBTA, MBTA communities requirement, where the community's preferences are, what makes sense for downtown, all of that seems to fit really logically and rationally nice together. Um, and so that would be to offer an incentive for either through height, density, parking requirements, all of that. And that incentive would be to encourage mixed use development, which cannot be again required in the district, but it could be very effectively encouraged through those incentives. Definitely. I know um, uh, Mr. Manning, um, the interim town planner had worked on the committee for that and I'd be happy to get the information from him. Um, and forward that along. Thank you so much. Was there anything else? Anybody had any questions on for Josh about the last portion? I know we're going to discuss, he's going to discuss, it looks like regulations and guidelines inconsistencies. Okay. And I know Mr. Amron had to leave for the evening. So this is just a, a summary overall of everything I just went through. And, um, 
sort of a, also a summary to kind of reinforce and remind ourselves that we are, I think we are headed in a good and well-supported direction overall. Um, and I guess on this summary slide, I would just ask the board if generally you feel like this is headed in the right direction. As I mentioned, over the next few weeks, what I'll be doing is pushing further in this direction to develop these materials in more detail in a way that can be uh, presented in a more sort of understandable and consumable fashion by the general public. But I, but I will be kind of developing this out, putting more time into it. So before I do that and, and spend our um, time and budget with the project, I wanted to just get a, get a um, check from you all that this seems fruitful or, or if there's anything you'd like me to reconsider. I think the only one that might be an issue, and, and, and then I'll let Mr. McCarthy speak, is we, believe it or not, voted at town meeting to, to um, imp increase the parking requirement for, for um, per bedroom because there was a complaint about the fact that we do have no overnight parking and people were not able to have access to parking at night. Um, and that's part of the reason we increased it. But I can see why. It would be better to have it that way, but at the same token, it was the public that actually kind of pushed for that. What did that increase go to? Do you know? Um, one per bedroom, like you oh, have. Oh, that was, so it was an increase to one. It was an increase. That's correct. Mr. McCarthy? Josh, if you could, um, uh, I'm going to say go back a slide, and you talked about um, something that I had not thought of um, and and had not heard yet, I suspect they are all aware of it, but you mentioned that you cannot require a mixed-use development, but you can offer the incentive as part of the MBTA. Uh, what incentives have you, have you, uh, are you hearing communities talk about to have them do mixed-use versus multifamily? I think it would be these types of incentives. So it would be, um, incentives in terms of the scale or, or mass or density of the development, which would be allowed. I don't, I haven't heard of other types of incentives that, that, that not typically like in terms of like, I don't know. Um, like that's in zoning. That's typically the type of incentive. It's not like, um, We'll give you a tax rebate or something like not that sort of thing. Yeah, you, we haven't we haven't heard that yet, but 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 those are done in communities for for businesses regularly. Uh, just that you haven't you haven't you haven't heard a community do that. It's just um, uh, uh, in what type of density are they? Are you hearing them suggest differently? Is it simply height, or is it more units um, um, than initially allowed? Well, I don't know. Um, since communities are just putting those in now, I don't know yeah. specifically what what they are doing if if they are offering sort of trying to nudge uh, the development towards mixed use as opposed to residential only. Um, it will be interesting to see the different strategies which may be used. Um, I think it would typically be the same sorts of things that we're talking about here. So it'd be height, it would be density, it would be parking requirements. Um, those those are oftentimes the the levers for making it work out better in terms of fit on a property and viability financially. Thank you. 
And just as, as to say, I, I believe we're headed in the right direction. Um, I would be one to say, and, and I've said it publicly before, so uh, I think we can handle a bit more height in some sections than in others. Um, and it, it it's not simply just a setback. Um, there are sections, you know, I, I, there are sections of the center that are much lower than other parts of the center that you you could put additional height and not and not feel it, quote unquote, um, or, and have it feel oppressive um, in in my mind. But I understand the, the I understand the, the the setback of that. I think you said ten feet or fifteen feet uh, that works so well to to minimize it to the eye. Um, as to the density of it, and 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 I personally would be very much in favor of that. Thank you. Any other comments, Jim or Kathy? Uh, nope, I'm all set. It just a. Uh... Just a question about the uh, actual owners of the buildings. Have they been invited, or can you invite them to a like an owner-specific meeting to to get their feeling of what if this change, what they may do to, with their property? And how active is the, if you know, is the downtown business association in this? If they're even active at all anymore, I don't know if you would know that, Josh, or not, but. Everybody the, down, the downtown business, as far as I know, is not active, quote unquote, at all. Um, uh, uh, I can, I, I mean, I can, I can say that fairly comfortably. Um, I have done. Well, I was going to say I have done some individual stakeholder interviews with a few property owners and business owners. Um, I. That was more kind of a, just open questions. I didn't, we didn't have initial recommendations starting to shape up at that point, but could circle back to those or maybe make another, um, try to engage property owners because property owners are one of the primary audiences here, of course. So see, see what their opinions may be as these start to take form. I know um, initially uh, Jean had been kind enough to go to some of the businesses downtown and that was a thought, at least in the areas located downtown. Um, to be included. That is why we did the advertising as well. So hopefully they would see it um, since the majority of them do advertise in the citizen as well. So hopefully they would be, but we'd be happy to go further and, and uh, definitely bring out pamphlets or discuss with them. Um, so they're included as well. And I, I just one more question to throw Josh under the bus, maybe uh, if he could take off his MAPC hat and put on just a typical person driving through the center of town, what was your initial impression? You don't have to answer. You know, I, I think it there, it's a nice center. Like it, it's attractive as a, as a place. I think there's, it could be more, of course, I think, which is why we're all here, but it, it has what they say, you know, good bones. And, and I think a good, a good foundation for being, a really attractive downtown. Um, I would say that my impression walking around the district was that it did not feel very pedestrian friendly. And I, so I think there is room for improvement there. And it, it felt 
like you you have to watch yourself when you cross those streets and you have to see what cars are doing because it feels more like a car place than a person place. So I, I, that was one of the other observations that, that I made, but it's, it's great. And, you know, places like McCarthy's have a nice, nice vibe from the sidewalk. And it just, it feels like a place that as a visitor, you could stumble upon and be like, Hey, I'm going to hang out here for, for an hour or two. That's very true. I know um, I was in front of the uh, post office this past weekend and uh, quite a few people from Westwood and Dedham actually come to our post office, which I didn't realize because they say it's not as congested as their downtowns on Saturday, which is interesting to hear. So, so thank you all. We will, as, as Patty mentioned, the, We'll identify, I guess, together, or, or we can do that offline, or some dates uh, or a date for a meeting kind of landing towards the beginning of March or so. Um, and that would be another community-wide meeting, perhaps. Uh, well, we can, we can, we should talk about it actually, because I think initially we had talked about potentially doing one in-person meeting, one Zoom meeting, but I would be open to doing another in li like library meeting, if if that's desirable, um, I thought the first meeting was very good, uh, and so would be open to whatever format the the board desires. Um, were there? I, I I know a lot of us are on different committees as well as the planning board, so um, I will reach out and see what. Generally, Tuesdays are most nights. Tuesday nights, people free. Um, I know that's what we did last time was a Tuesday night. I didn't know if anybody had any opinion on that. Or I like Tuesdays. Okay. Tuesdays are good. Any opinion, Jim or David? Tuesdays are fine. Okay. It just depends upon... What Tuesday? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I realize how much you travel. I understand. So we'll come up with a couple of dates on Tuesday. And um, Josh, I'll reach out to you and see what's good for you, which one of them. And uh, we'll book for in March. And um, I didn't notice this, unfortunately, before in the presentation, although I wish Canton was Downton Canton. Um, there's no W in the bottom left corner and I didn't notice it until now. <laughs> so I apologize for that <laughs> as much as we all like Downton Abbey. Um, <laughs> that's a, yes, I do. That's that's a consistent error on everyone. That's I, just, I didn't notice it until the end of the presentation. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> so I apologize. I, I didn't notice it when you sent it to me earlier, but uh, I just read the bulk, so. I will I will update that and send it back just so you can have a fresh one if you post it on the website. That'd be great. We'd appreciate that. We will do that. Or or, or we can do a rebranding exercise for Downton. <laughs> Downton Canton? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think that would work. <laughs> as much as as the town and people in the town did like the series or the books, I don't think so. But Josh, if there's anything else you wanted to mention, um, I don't know if anybody else has any more questions. We discontinue the presentation for tonight and of course move on to when uh, we get together with the rest of the members of the town in March. Sounds very good. I appreciate the discussion this evening. Thank you everyone. Thank you. Have a great night Josh. Thanks Josh. On to the Warner Trail feasibility study discussion. 
I know um, Karen has kind enough to forward the information on to end to everybody in um, on the board. Um, I've been a part of the Walk, Bike, and Hike Committee. Um, Debbie Steinsharp has been great about discussing this, and I didn't know if anybody had any questions. Um, I know that Jean had been approached about doing a, a possible grant to get more money for um, the Warner Trail, but we'll have to work on that. And if anybody had any questions or comments, otherwise we can move on to, if anybody wants to discuss their committees this evening, it was just an option. If you don't feel up to it, we don't have to do that tonight. Um, I wanted to just bring up the fact that the sustainability committee is again going to do a rain barrel uh, event scheduled in March of this year. And uh, we're also, um, the sustainability is also supporting the uh, annual cleanup day, which is April 1st this year. I don't have any committees now. Oh, I forgot this. Sorry about the Paul River Heritage disbanded. That's all right. That's all right. I freed up at night. There you go. <laughs> Kathy or Jim, do you have anything you want to add? No, I mean, at, I, I missed the last one for the um, CPA one, but they were going to be just voting on like moving some money and um, it's pretty much we haven't started taking any new pre-applications or anything yet. So we're just like catching up and redoing the guidelines and stuff and the wording. Um, David and I uh, went to the select board meeting last night and they discussed uh, the zoning study for housing um, that Golson had done. It was a great presentation. If you get a chance, please watch the select board meeting. It was at the beginning of the meeting. Very informative. Um, and uh, also there was a presentation about uh, former St. Gerard site, which was great as well. Um, and um, that's really, I think the only other thing is um, if we wanted to review and approve the minutes from January 18th. Are you gonna, before you do that, are you gonna report back any dates for us for um, a follow-up meeting with Josh? Well, we can discuss that after Kathy does the minutes. I can take a look at the calendar and we can figure out which awesome. Tuesday. Thank you. Okay, so I um, want to make a motion that we approve the meeting minutes for January 18th, 2023. Second. Second. David? Aye. Jim? Aye. Kathy? Aye. And I'm an aye. So, and Mr. Houston, it's good to see you this evening. Um, there is the 7th of March, the 14th of March, the 21st, or the 28th. So the, tw the, uh, the 28th is no good for me because I'll be traveling, but the rest are fine. Would we not want to do that on the night there's a selectman's meeting, though? That's true. Just... <laughs> yeah, they have two. They what do they have one or two a month? I think it varies a little bit, but I'll take a look at their calendar too. Don't they meet every other Tuesday? Usually, yeah, they meet every other Tuesday. Just you know, so you can kind of you can kind of glance ahead. They're basically the same on the same rotation. We are. Okay, so 
we probably don't want to do the seventh. So the 14th. That works for me. Jim, as far as you know, that works for your schedule? Pretty much everything does, so that's fine. I know. Sometimes that changes. I realize that. No, I do realize you have busy nights sometimes. Um, David, does that work for your schedule so far? Yep. Thumbs up. Awesome. So I will email Josh back for the 14th of March. Um, Mr. Houston, did you have anything you wanted to add this evening? No, just that I thought the presentation on the downtown was very informative. I think it's going in the right direction. But other than that, that's about it. Good evening, everyone. And if I could, Madam Chair, April 5th is uh, one of our regularly scheduled meetings. That is the first night of Passover. So we're going to need to move that meeting to a different Wednesday in that month. Okay, so right, maybe we just move everything up a week. Have our first meeting the 12th and our um, second meeting the 26th. Of course, the possibility is we may not have Karen because I believe she's on vacation in April. So just so we know. Would that work for your schedule, Mr. Houston? Uh, it does. It may be somewhat difficult if you have applicants in because conservation meets on those nights, I think, but okay. that's not an insurmountable obstacle. So. Well, we could just move one to the 12th and keep the, the 18th. Yeah, yeah I, 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 that's what I'd kind of lean towards is just leaving one, moving okay. one, and, and maybe even not even just saying maybe we don't have the fifth and see if see if we don't have to have it so just have one on the 12th. yeah just uh, play it by ear obviously you know better than i the agenda flow what you get in and what you need to do but i just wanted to raise that that is the first night of passover and it would thank be my recommendation we don't have a no i concur yes thank you <clears throat> so um if there's nothing else anybody you'd like to discuss karen i hope yeah. you're feeling better can I ask one other question, uh, Madam Chair? Washington Station, um, which was being, I, I think I asked this one other time, maybe, I don't remember, and so I, I apologize. Washington Station was approved in, and in, in, it's the building a couple doors down from Town Hall, from Memorial Hall. Um, and that had some affordable components in it. That yes. project, that piece of the project where I believe all the affordables were, has not been built yet, but the other units have been constructed and sold. And I'm I'm wondering um, what the if we can get a status update from somebody. I don't know who we formally ask um, as to what the progress there is because uh, they are they are affordable units in that complex, and and I'd, I'd love to get some idea of what's going on with it. Well, I'm happy to reach out to Ed and find out who the builder has been and see if he has information and see if we can have him come before the board at the next meeting. I just don't know what the, I don't know, literally don't know what the actual process there is in verifying that. But but right. as I said, we know that there are affordable units in that second, what would be the bigger building. Um, and <clears throat> there doesn't appear to be much construction going on there. No, I do understand that's taking taking its time. Anything else up for discussion? 
Oh, come on. Let's talk about fences and walls. We got to do that for a second. I'm only teasing. Just joking. Uh, well, no, I'm, um, I know that uh, the building inspector commissioner uh, was having a discussion. There was an issue, I guess, with the fence installer putting it where the gas line is instead of putting it where it was actually staked out, which was behind the wall. So that's my understanding. What he, he was told, I don't know the specifics any further. I haven't asked him again. So I haven't sent a letter yet because if they move the wall behind, they move the fence behind the wall, then we don't have to worry about it. But if they don't, and obviously the town has to worry about it if it's still on town property. I didn't drive down there to say, say today to see if anything has moved. It hadn't as of last week. So. It hasn't as of a couple of days ago. Yeah. yeah, last time I think I was down there was Thursday, so I didn't see a change. Yeah, it hasn't. There know. was just I was mistaken. The only thing that had moved was they put an opening for a mailbox. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous, but hey. Um, but anyway, I'd like to make a motion that we adjourn for the evening. I'll second. David? Aye. Jim? Aye. Kathy? Aye. And I'm an I. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Stay safe. Thank you. Hey, have a good couple of weeks. Thank everybody. you. Good night. Back on the Bye. Carefully. Yes, Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.